Good morning, this is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, I want to continue today with what I started last week, namely an exploration of the book of Revelation, the book of the Apocalypse. Of course, in Greek, that just means the unveiling. The Latin is revelatio. That's where our word comes from. Something in this great book is revealed to us. And in fact, I would say something of great importance. As I mentioned last week, it's the last book in the Bible. God's last word to us, if you will. Many interpretations have been given. In recent years, as I mentioned, an awful lot of speculation about the end of the world. The book of Revelation telling us how and when the world will end. I suggest that a better way to read it is that it's a book that reveals the truth, not just about the distant future, not just about the past, and not just about the present, but of all time. Christ in this book is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And therefore, what's revealed, Christ's lordship over all of history, is a message that we all need to hear, as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago, and as relevant as it will be at the end of time. Last week we saw just the very beginning of the book. John the Apostle, the Beloved, now an old man on the island of Patmos, begins to receive a series of visions. He sees the risen Christ, his face luminous. That's Christ the light. You know, the light comes into the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it, we find in the Gospel of John. In the face of Christ, we see the light that illumines all things. Secondly, a great sword comes from his mouth. That means the sword of God's word. We will see now as this book unfolds, it's a book of battles. It's a book of wars. That's true. Wars in heaven and wars on earth. Christians, all that means is Christian life is itself a kind of warfare. Inner, yes, against dark powers within us, but also exterior. exterior. We will be opposed when we stand for the Word of God. What happens next in the book now is a wonderful thing. It anticipates, I would say, what we do whenever we gather for the liturgy. St. John receives a vision of the heavenly liturgy. Let me read to you a little bit from this part of the book of Revelation. After this, I had another vision. Above me, there was an open door to heaven. And I heard the trumpet-like voice which had spoken to me before. It said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place in the time to come. At once, I was caught up in an ecstasy. A throne was standing there in heaven, and on the throne was seated one whose appearance had a gem-like sparkle. Let me just stop there and say a few things. There was an open door to heaven. What's John seeing now? 
He's seeing the deepest things, the deepest truths. Heaven, God's realm, is now open. Do you remember in the accounts of the crucifixion of the Lord, that after he dies, the Holy of Holies is opened up. The curtain in the temple was ripped in two from top to bottom. And now we see into the Holy of Holies, in the crucified Jesus, we see the meaning of time and history. Something very similar here. A door is open into heaven. And now John, and with John, all of us, are going to look through that door. And what do we see? Well, we see the one who's seated on a throne. This, of course, is the power of God. This is God himself seated on the throne. Who's around him? Listen again. Surrounding his throne were 24 other thrones, upon which were seated 24 elders. They were clothed in white garments and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and peals of thunder. Before it burned seven flaming torches, the seven spirits of God. The floor around the throne was like a sea of glass that was crystal clear. What does that sound like to you? I would say there are Catholics listening to me who are accustomed to the Sunday liturgy. It should sound a bit like a liturgy. Here's this holy place, God on his throne. Surrounding him are robed figures, elders. Of course, the Greek word for that is presbyteroi, from which our word priest comes. A priest is an elder. So around the throne are the elders robed in their impressive white garments. What do they do? John tells us that all day long, these elders around the throne, they praise and they worship God. What's going on here as John looks through the open door into the very heart of heaven, he sees a life of worship and praise. Christians, whenever we gather for the liturgy, we are not just a community here below. Whenever we gather for the liturgy, we are joining ourselves to this heavenly liturgy. In mind, heart, voice, we sing with them. As they prostrate themselves on the ground, we kneel with them. Listen, by the way, to one of their great songs. John tells us, Day and night, without pause, they sing, Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord, God Almighty, He who was, and who is, and who is to come. That should sound familiar. Just before the Eucharistic prayer at the Catholic liturgy, what do we sing? And we say it very explicitly. May our voices be one with theirs as they sing. Well, who are the they? The saints and the angels and the spirits in heaven. And then we sing with them, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, the thrice holy, because God is in three persons. We sing with them this hymn of praise. Our liturgy here below, echoing the liturgy of heaven. Isn't that terrific? I think one of the great misunderstandings of the liturgy is simply to focus it too much on us. It's about us, about our gathering, about our community. Well, I think we're important, but we're not that important. I think what's wonderful is that in the liturgy, 
we look through an open door into heaven and we join them in their praise of God. Now, what happens next after this revelation of the heavenly liturgy? John says this, In the right hand of the one who sat on the throne, I saw a scroll. It had writings on both sides and was sealed with seven seals. Remember, everything in this Johannine literature is symbolic. I've spoken before about the importance of numbers. All the numbers in John's Gospel mean something. Well, this is no exception. Here's a scroll with writing on both sides. In the hand of God, mind you. It's in the hand of the one who sits on the throne. What is the scroll? It is the meaning of history. What it's all about. What it all means. God's plans. God's designs. That's what the scroll is. How many seals are there? There's seven. Seven in John's literature stands for the completed cycle of time like the seven days of the week. This means this scroll illumines what is true about the whole course and circuit of time. You know, if you've been listening to these sermons, it was uh, on Easter. I used the metaphor of the book, the great book that God has written, of which time and history are the scattered pages. Well, this is the same idea. Here's the book. In the ancient world, they didn't have books. They had scrolls. Here's the book. God's providence, God's direction, the meaning of everything. Now, a question is asked. Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? It's a terrific question. It's one that we all have in our hearts. Who will explain this to us? Who will break open the seals? Who will tell us what it all means? What's wonderful is it's a question in heaven in this book. It echoes a question on earth. What's the meaning of history? Where's it all going? Then we hear this. I wept bitterly because no one could be found worthy to open or examine the scroll. Christians, we look all over the place for people who will open the scroll for us. Philosophers, poets, gurus, psychologists, talk show hosts, pop stars. We look all the time. In some ways, that's all our human life is, is a constant quest to find out the meaning of it all. And who will open it for us? Who's worthy to do it? We look over and over again. And here's this wonderful thing now from Revelation. There's nobody in heaven or earth who's able to do it. Except one. Listen. One of the elders said to me, remember the elders around the throne, Do not weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has won the right by his victory to open the scroll with the seven seals. Well now, this sounds promising, doesn't it? We're in the throne room of heaven. We're wondering who is going to open the scroll that describes all of history. And one of the elders says, look, the lion is coming. This must be the man on horseback. This must be the hero. This lion-like figure that will explain it all to us. Then who shows up? Listen, 
Then between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders, I saw a lamb standing, a lamb that had been slain. This is a wonderful joke. This is a wonderful joke. Imagine the drum roll in heaven. We found the one who will open the scroll. We found the one who will explain everything to us. And what do we expect? Well, we expect a, a general or a king or an emperor, a business tycoon. If you want to talk about animals, like at least someone lion-like or a leopard or something impressive. Who shows up? This little lamb. If you're choosing impressive animals, would you choose a lamb? You know, I mean, lambs are tiny, insignificant, weak, not that attractive, not that interesting, certainly not powerful. And now, more to the point, a lamb that has been slain. Can you imagine a weaker character? This, of course, is the Lamb of God, Christ, slain on the cross. This is the joke at the heart of Christianity. This is what we proclaim. Listen now, this is what's been revealed to us in this book of Revelation. The meaning of time and history is open to us by the Lamb of God, slain on the cross. Paul said, I preach one thing, Christ and him crucified. That's the one thing the author of the book of Revelation is preaching to us. What we proclaim up and down the centuries, Christians, is this truth. Don't look to the powers of the world. Don't look to emperors and kings and armies. Rather, look to this Lamb of God, slain. He will explain the meaning of history. Now, if you go on the book of Revelation, as I'm running out of time today, as you go on, this Lamb is a very serious character. And as he begins to open these seals, you see what happens on the earth. This lamb is not to be trifled with. This is the power of the cross of Christ. Friends, I invite you now during this Easter season, I've just kind of introduced it to you. Read the book of Revelation. Read it as something speaking to your heart now. Not just about something that happened way back when, nor simply about what will happen at the end of time but something revealing the deepest truth to you now. God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you.